It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the GAR. My name is Lee Castello, and I'm delighted to say that today's episode is populated mostly by Tyrone men. That's how I feel like it should always be. Kyle Coney has come back onto the show. How's it going, Kyle? All good, lads. Good to be back. Good stuff. And then, as always, the other half of the GAR duo is Niall McIntyre. And Niall, you're bursting to start a row. You want to get stuck into Kyle? Well, uh, I've seen... Uh, well, look, it's tough for the two Tyrone men here after the last <laughs> weekend, so... Uh, I'm just here to, to bring the mood up a, a small bit, but uh, yeah, no, I, I seen Kyle was tweeting about uh, Joanne Cantwell and Don Lokusek, and I think it was nearly it was nearly the the talking point of the the weekend. Everyone everyone's given out about it. Everyone's given out about Don Log. Everyone's given out about Joanne. There's people on both sides of it. It over one million views on the Sunday game Twitter account. So uh, everybody had seen it, and Don Log is still trending on on Twitter today. So. Uh, I seen Kyle was um, Kyle was on Joanne's side, I think. <laughs> uh, was, I suppose uh, I, I I put up a tweet like um, might have been last night, or yesterday, even just after uh, seeing watched some of the hurling as well, and then seen seen that clip obviously surfaced on Twitter, and um, I suppose whenever you listen to the comments then that was made on, on the Morning Ireland show saying that you know it, it, it was like a grand national for all surrounds, it's. I think it's brigading on the competition as a whole, and then as you know, the players is involved in that because you know, we have secondary competitions or we have second tier competitions right across. You know, club football they work perfectly; they have them in hurling. Um, so I don't see the reason for him to, to make those comments. Look, he made them, and then whenever he was pressed on it, he didn't want to answer it. You know, he was pushing back with a a nonsense answer to Joanne saying that you know she misquoted him and you know, the quotes are out there for everybody to, to go and pick up, to go and read. And, you know, if, if he had to come out and, and double down on the statement and said, look, this is what, what I mean, fair play. But he didn't give any kind of answer. And that's what people were, I think, sort of more annoyed at. I think people are people are giving out yesterday, they're giving out about Joanne, that when the Munster Hurling is on, 
that she wants to talk about this and she's bringing this up and there's people going to be listening to us now and they'll be like lads there was a mad there was mad games of hurling and football on all over the country at the weekend and you're talking about this but at the same time it is, it is it's a, it's the talk about it and it's what everyone was talking about because like only last week or two weeks ago, I thought it was funny, it was reading Joe Brawley's article and he was giving out stink in the Sun Independent about the Sunday game being so boring and everyone being so by the, by the script and nobody was saying kind of, you know, out of, out of line. And yesterday we have something like that and, you know, it's a bit of, bit of fun and pundits kind of showing a bit of personality I suppose and then everyone's giving out again saying would you not just talk about the hurling and Joe Brawley included he he tweeted at the end of the game he was like uh, great Munster Championship Sunday even though Don Logue tried to ruin it or, or something like this so do you know you, you can't really win as a as a pundit which so, the, prob- the problem is nowadays is Twitter that's that's yeah. that's that's the problem um, we all have an opinion and then it goes on a, it goes on a on a scale where you know, if one person clicks into their share of someone else, then it could it can just it can blow up in no time. But I think probably from Joanne's point of view, she might. I, I'm not sure if she had you know, don't know. She hadn't come across him maybe from that. She hadn't had a chance to, to speak to him or you know, and he was just pressed on comments that he that he did make from you know, and, and that was her opportunity for him on on the national stage. You know, till you know till. Um, I suppose to, just to elaborate on, on the remarks that he did make. Yeah, he definitely didn't do it anyway. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, but just sorry, Nal, you're saying that Donald Logue is now the Joe Brawley of the Sunday game. That's your words, I think. I'm pretty much. Maybe, maybe so, and uh, <laughs> and Joe Brawley hates him. Oh well, yeah, so. that would be the Joe Brawley thing, to be fair. <laughs> Whatever he thinks of that. But it is interesting, though, because like I don't know, from a journalist point of view, you've made these comments. Um, and you're being asked to qualify them, you know, on the next time that you're on a on a broadcast station, as such. Like, I mean, it, it probably is fair enough to ask, no? Yeah, like it's it's hilarious. Everyone, what the, half the people on Twitter, like, like, yeah. why is Joanne going there to talk about the hurling? And at the same time, when I'm watching that, I'm, I'm like, oh yes, this is good. Now I can't wait to see what he says to this. Like, that's what yeah. you want to see a bit of crack between them, and. I'd be on Kyle's side. I thought Joanne was was dead right to put him on the spot yeah. after what he said. Like he's he's well able for it. He's in that game a long time, and I thought she was dead right to to stay going at him as well because he was giving her no answer. He was taking her up on being misquoted. I think the misquote he, he had in his mind was that she didn't say disappointed. She <laughs> just said a grand national for all for Rans. But that's just petty stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. From him. Okay. So he, you know, it's like when a lad starts correcting your spelling or something uh, on, it's on you Twitter. are not your <laughs> so it's uh yeah i think he was fighting a losing battle but okay have you ever been misquoted or got in a little bit of a row with a, a journalist thankfully not us so far uh, no no funny enough not. it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad um too bad yet Neil I'm not saying that that mightn't happen but look uh, live TV uh, you know uh, I do some radio stuff for, uh, for the cool commentary games on RTE and look you can come out with uh, things that you're commentating on games and you're on live that you, you can't pull back because it's out there it's gone there's nothing you can do and I understand that that, that Don Logue said those things so it was an option it was a chance yesterday either you know you go one of two ways you either double down on what you say, you, and you, you, this is your opinion, or you say, you know, maybe that was wrong and how it came across. Because, you know, 
I didn't mean it like that. This is how I did mean it, you know. So he had two options. He, he took neither. He he, he stayed. He, he, he tried to use the mis the misquote um, on Joanne, and I think that's probably what where people were finding the grey area. You know, absolutely. Um, well, there was games of football and there was games of hurling. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. We do get to the hurling later on, so please don't come at us about that. Uh, but just to start with the football, we'll go with Mayo and Kiari to begin with. Uh, now, you got to give it to Michael Murthy. He, he called this before the game. Uh, he didn't think Kiari had the depth that they once had and that they were going to struggle. And that's sort of how it panned out. Yeah, he he was he was dead right, and he 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 went for the juggler there. He was like, we're still looking at Paul Gini, we're still looking at Tony Brazen, and do you know he he had obviously seen that that Kerry he thought anyway hadn't involved, and I suppose maybe we were maybe giving them a bit of the just in your head, you're like, do you know that Clare performance? They were so good that day. they're they're coming back into it. Mm-hmm. They'd been slow in the league but we were kind of always giving them the excuse of they won the All-Ireland last year and that can happen you were on your team holiday you mightn't have been fit or whatever but it was you know they, they could easily beat the likes of Clare and Tipperary and Munster that just kind of that second nature them but this was the real test and Kerry just we were seeing what we were seeing in the league and it was Kerry they didn't look as fit as Mayo they weren't getting close to Mayo in midfield, Mayo were just Maturon in particular. Yeah. Just Jordan Flynn. These boys, Dermot O'Connor, just bombing away from the Kerry lads. And Kerry not getting close to them. Tyg Morley isolated under serious pressure with lads running off shoulders. And there's not much he can do. Um, and I suppose it, it, it does probably come back to that. Kerry have such like amazing forwards, but they're probably not the best working forwards. And that puts them under pressure around the middle. No, definitely. Um, it's sort of the, the battle around the middle was nearly the difference in the NK. Um, Matthew Ryan and Jermaine O'Connor up against Jack Barry and obviously Kerry's Jermaine O'Connor. You know, it was, it was two, nearly two different levels. Um, since David Moran left and now actually the, the injury to Stefano Cumber even looks worse now, you know, because he was going really well in the league. Um, is, is this a gap in the Kerry team? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a, 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 a glaring gap as such because I think we're probably not giving enough credit to, to Matthew Ryan who in 2021 was in for a shout for a footballer of the year maybe didn't have the, the best final coming up against the, the, the two lads from, from Tyrone but he he has had exceptional form that, that break of five or six weeks seems to have um, done him the world of good his league performances probably wasn't at the standard that he had wanted. Um, been a long campaign for him, and then I, I suppose <clears throat> those few weeks break. I know there's a few of the Mayo lads. Um, I know Ian O'Shea had went uh, to the Sun. There was a few other rest of them as well had gone away. A few obviously back to their clubs, but uh, that break seems to have re-energized them, um, give them that wee bit of. Um, time to maybe even clear up a niggle or two and, and hit the ground run again but Matthew Ryan on, on Saturday was just a joy to watch he, the power of his running he reminds you, you know, of how Brian Fenton goes about his business once he gets up to top speed there, there's not much much stopping him and well able to, to kick a score as well but they, they were the dominant force throughout the game they were they were underneath ball catching ball and then all of a sudden whenever Mayo were running it if they didn't kick it into Ed O'Shea it was either Dermot O'Connor or um, Matthew Rand who was breaking lines. So they were exceptional. Uh, and I know that uh, 
and Kevin McStay will be he'd be pleased with that getting getting those two lads to you know a partnership in midfield is, if you're winning that area it gives you a great stranglehold on the game no, absolutely, and it really was a brilliant team performance. And actually, when you look at the Mayo team and where the scores were coming from, it was like Ryan O'Donoghue got five points, Aidan O'Shea got three, James Carr got three, all of the half forwards got a point each, Matthew Rand got a point, two halfbacks got a point, Owen McLaughlin comes off the bench, gets a goal, and, and someone else comes off the bench, maybe Loftus or Durkin. Paddy yeah, Durkin yeah, a point as well. Yeah, I got a point as well. It's worked out something like 11 different scores, and then you compare that to Kerry. Uh, who I think was only five different scores and eight points coming from uh, David Clifford alone. Like, are, are they too relying on David like to perform miracles, Kay? <sighs> every week, every game you see David Clifford, he, he does something that you think that's not, you know, it's nearly impossible to do. Mm-hmm. He kicks that ball from the 45, you know, sidesteps Padraig O'Hara. And like that, that's like a pass inside. But he has the the ability to, to with the power of the kick that he has to to knock it over the bar. Um, but but whenever you you look back at the five scores, you know eight points. Obviously, they, they had the um they, they, or that David Clever had pro- probably a wee bit over land. Yes, he takes the free kicks. Shawnee O'Shea, um, I think he got three points at the weekend. Darmine had a point, and Paddy Clifford didn't score. Uh, so, so that's your half forward line. So they probably are a wee bit over reliant on him. Normally, he does find the net. I know he had two chances um, saved as well. So he could have finished very handy in the game with two yet. So to answer your question, it looks, you know, the stats would point in the direction that they probably are at the minute. That wee bit more over on on um, David Clifford. There's no way that he, you're not going to stop him from scoring. You know, it's... Mm. That's a given on on any day. He's going to knock over a few points uh, uh, with him taking the freeze as well. So um, they, they would need probably Paul Ganey, Tony Brosnan. I know Stephen O'Brien come on. Shani O'Shea, I think he maybe is two frees, one for play. So you would like to see Shani maybe um, pick up the mantle a wee bit uh, and get a, a few scores from play as well as, you know, Paddy Clifford. We know he's probably, he's assisting a lot of these scores. He's his hand in, in an awful lot of stuff that, that Kerry do well. But um, if they can get him on the score sheet that they like they did last year, you know it'll take a wee bit of pressure off David, and it'll help him, you know, along the way of winning those games against the bigger teams. No, absolutely, and I think Thomas Sullivan got two points from Kerry as well, which is obviously a brilliant asset to have. But you don't want to be relying on your cornerback to get more scores than your corner forward. Um, Kyle made the point there about Sean O'Shea, Niall, not picking up really the form that he, that he was in last year he, he seems to come in and out of games or you know Kerry can't seem to bring him into the game like they used to do you think that's because of the midfield missing David Moran maybe are them working forwards like you said I suppose David Moran is that's he's a huge loss there in midfield they probably don't have that fetching midfielder there now to, to you know when you're under pressure get the kick out out to him he'll win it and you know, it just it cuts a lot of messing out of it, kind of. Just get it down to him and, you know, we'll build from there. So, Sean O'Shea, yeah, he just looked a, a small bit heavy-legged there at the weekend and didn't wasn't moving with his own, you know, cuss, you know, the bit of zip and speed that you'd, you know, that he's he's used to. And Sam Callum was on him and just seemed to have him, whenever there was a race to the ball or a 50-50, he, he was kind of the man that was, he was coming out on top in it. So, um, yeah, just, Mayo's, Mayo just kind of blitzed Kerry with that pure athleticism and everybody, 
bombing forward and everyone bombing off the shoulders and ready to, you know, if, the, if they had one man under pressure, there's another lad straight into a system and they were just getting by Kerry so easy. And, and as Kyle said, like Matthew Ruan just seems to be, he, he exemplifies their, their team and the way they play really in that when he gets the ball, he's just ready to take on anyone. And it was for one of them James Carr points, he got the ball out on the left wing and it was David Clifford and someone else, I'm not sure who it was, they were standing him up. But Matty Ryan just goes in, to, in past them. Two more lads come to him and he just cuts in through the middle of them. And, do you know, he's a lot of support there in the likes of Dermot O'Connor, Owen McLaughlin. Like, we know all these hard runners that Mayo have. And Kerry, they just weren't able to, weren't able to stick with him. Didn't seem to have that, whether it was a mix of the fitness or the work rate, a mix of the two, I suppose, to, to stick with them on, on Saturday anyway. Oh, absolutely. And then... We talked a lot about Matthew Ryan and, and, and the game he had, but actually it was Aidan O'Shea who got man of the match, and you know, and he was excellent yet again. Um, it seems like, I mean, from the outside looking in, there's obviously more to it. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and you can tell that from the fact that he's taking the freeze. Like, when was the last time you seen Aidan O'Shea take freeze? That he would have had a reputation negatively, nearly that oh, he, he can he misses these shots sometimes. But like, that's just how confident he is at the minute. Kale, okay, is this all because they're playing him in the right position? And it, as a, and it's got me thinking like. How many county careers have we missed out on seeing because these players weren't maybe being utilised? Uh, um, I, I would be. I would add another point to that in regards to, you know, sometimes it gets lost in translation. Sometimes with if you have a big full forward, you need to lump it in. You know, you need to, you know, if you're around the middle of the field, get it in high. Yes, you can do that the odd time, surely that's not. But there's a way of putting that. There's a way of putting that ball in to, to a big man. Even though she is well capable of winning the ball out in front too, because he is quick over those first three, four, five yards. And look, he is a huge frame of a man to get round. He, he he is the capability of holding you, you know, with one hand and collecting the ball with the other. He, he has played a bit of basketball in his time as well, so that will be that will have, have come into that, but. I do think it's with the delivery of the ball into them as well. You know, any time that Mayo have the chance, the quality of the ball going inside from General O'Connor, whether it be Paddy Durkin, Matty Ryan coming, you know, it's always to the forward side. If Aidan O'Shea is making a, a you know a run to the left of the post, it's to his side where he's strong enough to hold off the defender, pick it up, and if he he is taking on men, or else he has the runners coming off them. So it's. For me, it's always been crying out for him at full forward. When he has been in there in previous years under previous managers, all of a sudden the ball's just drove down the pitch high as it and long as it can go. Full backs coming out, the keepers coming out, everybody's competing, breaking balls snapped up and it's up the field again. So I think it's a combination of two. Ian O'Shea is playing really, really well. Kevin McStay has got his confidence back, giving the free kick mantle. He's excelling in that. And the delivery of the ball inside, it, it makes a huge difference to, to, to the forward. It, it makes the forward's life a, a whole lot easier. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that Aidan will be thinking that as well. No, absolutely. And like, uh, this is, it's not like Aidan O'Shea's came from nowhere and he hasn't had any success. You know, he's got all-stars, umpteenth amount of All-Ireland finals, played just about every position for Mayo and had real success. It's just in recent years, you know, they've been struggling to get him into the game. His career, Kyle, is sort of ran parallel to yourself, I think. Uh, you're similar age, 32, 33. And um, did you play him in the 2008 minor filing, final? Was he involved in that Mayo team? Yeah, yeah, um, he, he was indeed. He, 
he actually played a lot of football uh, that year at middle of the field, so he did. Um, and uh, he, he was a scorer at that. You know, he kicked the first game until uh, it was a draw, and you know, Shaka man of the match, he kicked a, a couple of magnificent scores. Um, so he, he was well able to score, and is well able to score. Uh, so you know, it's no surprise to me that. That, that he's got that confidence back in himself. A lot of his football have been played, you know, as I say, under different managers, have been played around the middle of the field, centre half back. You know, we know he played in one of those famous games with Kerry, he ended up playing full back. But, you know, a lot of his players behind the ball. So, you know, he wasn't getting opportunities to score. Yes, he'd missed a few chances in the All Ireland final. But, you know, if Mayo got to the All Ireland final, you'd be sure that, that he, would, he, he would be scoring now. But, yeah, his career, I mean, him would have played against each other for, for a few years, all right. No, sure. And then another player I'd like to talk about is, is Ryan O'Donoghue. I just really love him as a footballer and I love the idea that Kevin McStay keeps him in, in the full forward line because because of his work rate and his speed and just his, his pure doggedness, there, I bet there's a temptation to make him into a half or sort of a working half forward kind of role. But to keep him inside, he's unbelievable in the tight spaces. He's so brave. He wins every ball. I mean, I don't know, like, is is he sort of, I may be exaggerating how small he is, but is is Maybe it's because he's next to Aidan O'Shea and James Carr, but does he give hope for you know the, the smaller footballers that there's still uh, a room for them at the county game? I suppose he does, and he's such a he's such a tiger, isn't he? And yeah. you've seen it with that very first mark he won early on. He comes flying out to the ball, takes it nearly in the air, like and ends up on the ground. And he's he's tigerish. He's brave. He's you know he's always he's always shown for the ball. He'll take on the shots when when they're there to be to be taken and. I suppose you know you know he's clever as well, and you just love having him in there because he can he go he'll spot little chances for a goal like even that one that first mark he won, and it kind of summed up Kerry as well. Dermot O'Connor Mark and Dermot O'Connor that got that got a bit confusing yeah. I'd say for the lads commentating on that, but Mayo's Dermot O'Connor ran made the run down the middle, and Kerry's Dermot O'Connor was very slow to track him. And uh, Mayo's Dermot O'Connor nearly got in for the goal like, and this was only after you know two minutes and I suppose it summed up that kind of Mayo were the ones they were proactive and Kerry were the ones kind of just reacting to them mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's that creativity from O'Donoghue is and you know he's so so punchy in, in his let's play like you know he's he, he comes with purpose like and he knows what he's doing and uh, yeah lo- love having him in there well, apparently he was a very decent boxer in his day, so punchy is maybe the, the right word to describe him. Uh, we talked a little bit like uh, Kerry's lack of depth. Maybe you know we're, they're missing that coming off the bench and uh, potential gaps in midfield or whatever. But Mayo, that that's definitely a strength for them. And you look at someone like Tommy Conroy now, who he, he he Kevin McStay clearly sees him as a finisher. You know, someone to come off the bench and and drive at players. Uh, even the same with Owen McLaughlin. Like these are two boys that would have started under James Horn. Um, Kevin McStay's found a different role from him. Probably not what they would prefer, but like it's massive having players like that coming off the bench, Kay. Absolutely. Um Mayo probably in my opinion finished the game with a stronger team than than they started with. Um you know, Paddy Durkin also coming on uh, that he can well able to, to get a score as well. But the likes of when you look at Owen McLaughlin and you look at Tommy Conroy and what they've got in abundance is pace. Mm-hmm. You know, when that game that game was frantic, it was score for score, it was end to end, there was a serious amount of ground covered, there was wide open spaces. Um and we've seen that with the Owen McLaughlin goal, just bombed down the middle, got the flick pass and buried it in the back of the net, 
I know maybe his Kevin McStay's um, thinking behind this is whenever a game you know gets stretched uh, at whatever moment he thinks you know where that maybe 15 20 minutes after half time uh, we need you know fresh legs you know if you're a cornerback or you're a, you're a wing forward you think of seeing Tommy Conrad come or Owen McLaughlin because they've got frightening pace both men have an eye for for a goal I seen I think it was the Sigerson Cup this year I think I seen Owen McLaughlin score uh, maybe it was last year but I seen a clip very recently of him scoring a, a goal coming from his half back lane a couple of one twos and uh, and found the net as well but. It seems to be that that's the way they want to go. The, the, the strength and depth is is massive in this Mayo team, and it just doesn't look as strong on the Kerry side. But you know, you have to give credit to Kevin McStay. Kerry looked like the team that um, had had the five or six week break, and Mayo had no ring rest at all. Yeah, that, that that's probably a good summary of it. Um, you talked there about like how the Kerry defenders would see them players coming on and how that would make them feel, but it also gives the Mayo players a real boost. Like if you're feeling a bit tired and you see you know, Tommy Conroy's coming on, you get a little bit of a lift. Can you think of anyone maybe in your Tyrone career or even just for Arbo uh, that would have had to perform that sort of late impact role that would have given the team a real surge come, coming late on? Um, I suppose in more recent times, it's come to law. It's really been emphasised throughout Ireland that, you know, teams have starting teams and finishing teams. Probably in my Tyrone career, it was more that you know, you wanted to be on the starting um, fifteen. That that was the the end goal, or that was the goal that the you know any Thursday night that a team was ever named. You wanted to be on on the starting fifteen. But the way the way things went, maybe his last you know maybe four or five years, uh, teams ha- have realised right. You know, you, you can empty the tank in 40, 45 minutes, and we have got you know Tommy Conroy. We have got um, Paddy Jerkin. I know Paddy will probably end up starting. Um, or McLaughlin, but it's it's evolved now from back whenever you know probably 2018 2017 whenever you know we were under our touring career. But um, there's no one really that that stands out. I suppose one player maybe that made a, an impact every time he came on and he had pace in, in abundance too was Martin Penrose. You know, if he didn't start, you can be sure that he was going to have some impact in the game and probably one of the the most underrated tacklers in in, in the tournament. Not underrated, but he was rated within ourselves. But as a forward, you're not normally known for being the best tackler, you know, in the team. But uh, Martin Martin Panrose was a uh, he was a serious man for getting a turnover whenever there was maybe a short kick out or there was a high press. He, he was he was one of the men that that would be, you know, he was be sure to get a turnover. Yeah, and he's still doing the business now. I think he's in his forties, and yeah, he came on. He came on the league game against uh, Arbo on on Friday night. <laughs> and how did he do? Oh, he was there, there, but he he only came on the last. I think it was ten minutes or so, but he was on the running side. So okay. that's all that really matters, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll not push you on that one then, because we've uh, another team of yours of ours, I guess, uh, that lost, and that was Jerome against Galway. Um, it was a bit disappointing, Kyle, because like the game was almost spoiled by the red card to Frank Burns. Now, listen, it was a fully deserving red card, but I just mean that you know they had this five-week training block, and we're all dying to see what Tyrone did with it. And then you know when the sending off happened away from home, the bad weather, it then just felt like you know we're they're trying to save the game rather than you know being able to show what it is they'd been working on. Yeah, and they and they did beat Mayo in a challenge game in the meantime. You know, in that period of time off, so 
you know, if Mayo would be, we've seen how they were going and, and Tyrone played Mayo and, you know, obviously got, got the result. I know challenge games and friendly games are not always about the result. It's more about, you know, what you're trying to do, how, you, how you're how you trying to set up for the opponent. But I'm sure it would have given them a, a good indication of where they're at um, coming up against a, a strong Mayo side. But probably going back to the red card, you know, Frank will have no no bother saying himself it, it was a red card. He... He was taken off the gloves before he got off the ground. So it was just, it was a mistimed, you know, tackle. He, he come, you know, as soon as Anaheim touches the head, now it is, it, you know, it's going to be a red card. And with the force that he, that he come at, there, there was no, I don't even know why David Goff needed to discuss with the linesman because maybe he didn't have a great angle of it, but it, it was a red card. Um, but yeah, those five or six weeks off, we thought that Turin went away and worked on the things, whatever they needed to do. But probably what I was more disappointed in, in, in was that we seemed to have persisted with a half forward line. You know, we have a club man around Michael O'Neill. Michael doesn't play centre half forward. He lines out at 11 and obviously drops back to, to, to plug holes and gaps. But if, if they're persisting and putting Michael into the team, which he's deserving of a spot, I think we've got to get him into the, the half back line. We have Frank Burns, probably not notorious for 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 scoring either, and then you have Joe Goose, relatively new on the scene, so it's it's not known what he's going to bring. I think we need to, you know, go with a, a bit more of an attacking half forward line. I, I looked at the you know the so-called top teams in the in the most recent games. Dublin have a, a half forward line of Nara Scully, Con, um, Conor Callahan and Kieran Kilkenny. Last year, Con got four, Kieran Kilkenny got one. Um, Mayo or Mayo of a half forward line at the weekend of uh, Jack Con- uh, Carney, Jordan Flynn, Jason Doherty all scoring. Galway the same, all scoring. Uh, we've no scores from a half forward line, and we've two probably defenders starting in there. So, for me, you know, I don't think Tyrone learned a lesson against Monaghan. Yes, a really, really good first half, but the second half again, we're persisting with for- forwards. Defenders playing as forwards or in forwards positions. I know they mightn't exactly play there, but once you line them out there, you're you're taking away from you know, you're taking away your scoring threat. We're relying on Darren McCoy, we're relying on Matty Donnelly, and we're relying on Derek Canavan. Derek Canavan was relatively well shut out at the weekend by Galway. Darren McCoy got seven points, I think, and I'm not sure if Matty Donnelly got scoring. So that's that's where I feel the top teams have scores from their half forward line. At the minute, Toronto are not getting enough scores from that area of the pitch. Yeah, I hope I'm up on you on the spot now, but I think you'd said before that you didn't really agree with playing defenders in the half forward line and vice versa. Another way a lot of players or a lot of teams do that to like maybe pick up man marking roles and things. But do you see any correlation there with what Kyle's saying? Is is it a case of attackers should be playing attacking roles and you're just you know robbing Peter to pay Tom kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, Robin Peter Van Tom. This first time. <laughs> what is it? Paul. Paul. I think, yeah. <laughs> Don't um, know who Tom is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you know it is. Um, it is. It's a, it's a strange one, especially when you have Kieran McGeary there, former Player of the Year, and I know he has been he has been struggling, and you'd be able to to tell a bit more about that. But like a former Player of the Year on the bench is it's it's never a, a great sign, really, is it? Like no. And no, it definitely is. It sums up kind of like McShane as well. Do you know from the team that won the All Ireland, you have McGeary not on the team. McShane isn't there. Connor McKenna is a huge loss. And do you know Tiernan McCann is gone? Have Tyrone? They don't seem to. 
like they haven't really they haven't replaced them lads with 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 better lads or they haven't improved on them lads and them lads are obviously huge losses as well so so that obviously takes away from Tyrone. The Kieran McGeary one is an interesting like in player of the year and, and he was just unbelievable that season. He genuinely was. Now to be fair, I don't know if he would solve the half forward problem. We played him at half back, I think, most of that year. But he did bring a lot coming forward. He did play half forward against Donegal actually and I think got three points. Um Kel, what, what do you think that's about like what, in terms of form? Is that because he's being uh, earmarked more by the opposition uh, trying to shut him out as a form of supply or, or do you have any insight for us? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I would put it down to maybe more form. Um, maybe just Keane's not in, in, in the form that he was in in uh, the year that he got played the year 2021. Um, but it's... Uh, I have no real insight... To why that is, um, Kieran probably not known for being, you know, the, the, a chief score get, getter either. You know, three points would probably be, you know, that that's Kieran probably at his max in, in that regard. He got three points against Donegal that year in the championship. He, he did peg on a few great scores throughout, the, you know, Tones run to all Ireland final and and winning it that year. But to me, you know, you know, Matthew Tenney scored two seven against Galway or Sligo in the the. I know the opposition's not. Where Tyrone is in Tyrone Galway, but he scored two seven against Sligo. Peter Cook got two points against uh, Tyrone the weekend. Uh, Johnny Heaney got a point. Uh, Matthew Tinney got another score as well. So to me, I just think we need. To, I, I I understand that you probably need one working half forward in your team, but for me, I I would like to keep my two inside men. You know, obviously, whenever it's slow attack. Players naturally drift behind the ball. Everyone gets 14, 15 players behind the ball. But, but whenever the opportunity arises, and there'll be plenty of times in the game to get three, four people ahead of the ball, we seem to only have Dar McCoy and Derek Kenneman. And it's going to struggle to beat opposition teams whenever, if they nullify our two chief score getters, where's the rest of our scores getting coming from? I know there'd been a bit of talk about um, Rory Kenneman being. Uh, you know, there was talk of him maybe making his debut at the weekend. Seeing a small glimpse of him, you know, that that game at the weekend was a chance to get him into the team at number twelve, at number eleven, whatever it may be, playing in corner forward and play the three of them up top, him down and and, and the brother da, just to give somebody something else to think about. You know, yes, a lot of teams know him from under twenty, but he's relatively unknown at the senior team. That man in there, you know. Unknown, who's not to say he doesn't get a goal? Who's not to say he doesn't kick three points? And, and it's just the difference in those games. For me, it's just a wee bit cautious and a wee bit safe just at the moment with with the throne lineup. You can probably name 13, 14 in them every week. Cahan McShane uh, he seems to have gone off the, the radar a bit as well. He, he wasn't on the panel, not sure if he was injured or what was going on at the weekend. I, I, I don't know either. So, we're limited for for scores up front whenever we we can put a, a shackle on on the two lads. No, they absolutely are. Um, I did want to mention one player. It was and we've we've talked about in the last time you were on the show is Matty Donnelly, and he, I actually thought he played pretty well. He showed real leadership, especially because there was positives to the game in the sense that you know Trump were a man down, and then they went two men down when Nal Morgan got the black card, and they did well to stay within the game. You know, Galway never were able to finish in the moth. And I think Matty Donnelly's leadership just looks really clear on the on the pitch. Were you surprised initially when Duher and Logan came in and they, they took the captaincy off him? Because you'd mentioned before about his leadership qualities. Now, Hamsey obviously went on, did an unbelievable job, captained him to an All-Ireland 
and uh, he did fantastic yesterday I thought on Comer but it, it didn't feel like a, a a change that needed to happen I don't know like was was it surprising to you um, I I would say I was shocked at, at that appointment not appointment there's nothing not, I was shocked just that the decision was made because you know maybe yes a new management didn't want it to, to freshen the the whole scene and freshen the panel up surely that you know they can do that but you know, Matty wasn't on the decline, in, in my opinion, and isn't on the decline. I'll be, the last two times I have seen him play, I was really, really impressed with him against Monaghan. Yes, taken off wrongly, in my opinion, again, and then at the weekend, I thought I think he's back to his ability of, of being able to stand players up um, and and take them on, get past them. Where maybe Matty had he had suffered a, a hamstring, a really bad hamstring injury, a, a few times. It, it, once it came off the bone, and the second time it was something very, very similar. So maybe it, it, it took that length of time for him to get back up to the speed of the game. And uh, you know, at county level is another, um, it's another level faster. You seen Shawnee O'Donnell coming onto the pitch. You know, a lad that hasn't played inter county football at all at senior level just thought maybe he had that one or two seconds on the ball. But it, you don't have that time. But Matty seems to be a man that, that is back to his best and. Going back to your point, or go back to your question, the taking the captaincy off him was was probably a shock to most people because nobody really seen it coming, so it was a bit left field in that regard. But you know, it, it was one that worked out in the decision um, in, in the year they went on to win the All Ireland. But knowing Matty Donnelly like I do, played with him for ten or twelve years from right through from minor level, that won't have um, that won't have, have had any real impact on, on him as a person because. He he lives and breathes the game, and he, it won't have any negative impact on him. Probably in any sense, he, it might have spurred him on a bit to say, you know, I can still do it at this level. So, but it would it wouldn't have any impact on him. Oh, you know, I think that's uh, clear to see. Um, just one last point in Toronto, and we'll talk a little bit Galway now. Uh, in discipline, a little bit. We talked about the red card, then now Morgan got a black card. I think for mouthing to David, Go- like that was. That's disappointing, you know, one of your more experienced players, you know, you're losing him for that reason. And I think later on in the game, Michael McKernan did something that made a free get taken in closer, a handier free for Shane Walsh. You know, silly things. Like, I get that Toronto are trying to prove everyone wrong. They're trying to do that whole siege mentality thing, dig in. And they're trying to play with a bit of an edge, you know, and, and bring out the best in themselves. But when it spills over to indiscipline, is, do you see that as an issue? Yeah, like there's a big difference, isn't there, between you know playing with that edge to doing things like Niall Morgan and like Mike McKernan that are just they're self-defeatist really, and it's kind of a it's a sign of a lad who's you know who's kind of just losing the head a small bit and not not focusing on what what they should be doing. So I suppose that was disappointing. The Frank Burns one was you know it was an obvious red card, and as Kyle said, you could see him taking off the gloves. He he knew this this red card was coming. But I suppose, as you said at the very start, Lee, like that did it. It changed the the complexion of the whole game, and and it did. It put Tyrone just put them on the back foot and took away from you know what they could do in the game. I suppose when they're down to fourteen men, and like in fairness to them, you know they defended very well and they gave like maybe maybe some of that is down to Galway because even when Galway did get to the when Tyrone were down to thirteen men. Galway were still, you know, it was it was a level game for those ten minutes. Peter Cook got a point, and Tyrone got a point. So Galway, 
they were they kind of they only do enough as as much as they have to do really and we've seen that so many times in the last few years they don't kind of they don't seem to be willing to if when they get the when they smell blood they kind of just they take if they have a two point three point lead they just stay there yeah they don't go go too much further so maybe it's a mix of that Tyrone defending well Galway not going for the juggler as such but um I'd agree with Kyle it's it's do you know that way that they've no forwards in the like a, two two lads who are defenders playing in the half forward and it's not going to do you know it's not going to it puts a lot of pressure on the likes of Darren McCurry and the likes of Darren Derek Canavan because you're do you know it's it's coming down to them to get the most of your scores like so um a mix mix of the two I suppose just the the Frank Burns thing it, it probably and the wet conditions in Everton probably just messed the the game yeah. up a, a small bit. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, I guess you made the point about uh, there's a half forwards and the half backs and conditions away from home. There, there's a, there's a lot you know that was sort of going wrong for Tyrone and Galway had a lot of the advantages. You know, and they're already a brilliant team and they were already on the crest of a wave, conic champions, all the rest of it. The fact that they didn't put their foot down and go for the kill must be a bit disappointing for Galway fans. Uh, Kyle, they very much set their phaser to stun rather than kill, you know? Like, is that... Are they being too careful? Is it cautious? Was it down to Tyrone? Is that just a weakness in the Galway setup? Uh, I suppose... Uh, I know I listened to Podrick Joyce after the game um, and he wasn't overly impressed with, with the performance of Galway, probably with, you know, Tyrone going down till, till 13 men, yeah, Morgan going off the pitch, Peter Hart having to go into goals. But if there's one team that's able to probably cope and, you know, Tyrone will ha- have had worked in scenarios, you can be sure that the, the, they'll have worked on, on those type of scenarios, maybe not going to 13, but there's a chance that, Every day, you go someone make it line with a tackle, or there's there's every chance that black charge can can happen at the at the moment. But um, they, they they will have set up that scenario to to drop loads of people behind the ball, slow it up. Uh, you know that they get down to thirteen men for a period of time, and then Morgan was off the pitch as well. But when you get bodies behind the ball, those types of conditions as well. The ball was so wet, so slippery. There was a, a huge shower of rain j- just before the throw, and it being a relatively dry day, that it made it made the ball like, like a bar of soap, you know. So probably it's probably come down to both factors in in regards to Galway not going for the kill, not smelling blood, and putting thrown to the sword whenever there was thirteen. Um, only had thirteen on the pitch, but. You know, you've got to give Tyrone credit in, in that regard. You know, they kept the ball. Peter Hart's first kick out, Tyrone actually won it. They put it on, you know, took no risks, put it on top of Brian Kennedy. Tyrone picked up the break and went up the pitch. I think they they may have got a score for, from one of those as well. So um, it, it probably comes down to a combination of, of two things. But I wouldn't necessarily say that, that Galway, um, Galway don't go for the kill. You know, the last year in the, in the All-Ireland Final, you know they went toe to toe with Kerry coming down into the stretch the last few minutes. They, they were there thereabouts, and it's it's probably it probably just comes down till maybe the last day out, not having been tested against um not being tested against Sligo really, uh, and that preparation you know, not having a game in between. So I, I would say it, it comes down to that. I'll be looking forward to to the next day out um to see how how they get on. Uh, I think it's maybe Westmeath that, that that they play the next day out. So. You know, maybe that position's not where it needs to be. 
but it'd be another opportunity for them you know, to put up a big score. And yeah. only uh, the last day when we were watching the Sunday game and Paul Flynn and Lee Keegan said that Tyrone are their best contenders for the All-Ireland coming out of Ulster. I know you were kind of banging your chest when, <laughs> when, when this came out and saying, you know, Tyrone are still, you know, we're still the, the top dogs, even though we didn't win Ulster and even though we were beaten by Monaghan and they had a bad year last year. Is, is there a thing, and this is maybe for, for the two of you, is there a thing where Tyrone are, are people a bit maybe overrating them a small bit and going... <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> I did not bang my chest. I made the point that I actually just didn't believe... Because people were saying that Armagh and Derry were the two best teams in Ulster, and I just didn't necessarily agree with that because I thought Armagh had a very kind route to the Ulster final. Um, and on a different day, you know, like, Tyrone could match them definitely on paper. But uh, I do think Derry are ahead of Tyrone. In that sense, just at the minute, you can't really say otherwise. Uh, I guess with Tyrone, we've just been so... We've been blessed a lot of years that like every time we've been down and everyone looks against you, they seem to be able to turn it around seemingly from nowhere. And they've sort of built up this bedrock of confidence that like they can do it again. And, you know, maybe uh, other teams and have been scarred by that as well. Like, you know, even out of form Tyrone coming to town, you're still weary of them. So I think... But I, yeah, no. As the longer the season gets on, the more I'm becoming hopeful rather than sure that that'll be the case. What do you think, Kev? I would, I would agree with you. Um, you can only, you can only go on evidence. You can only go on facts. And and as the last three times Tyrone have played um, Derry, uh, Derry have come out on the 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 same or the, the might have been. I think they've come out either they've won three and drew one, or else it's one two and drew two. I can't mind the actual. So, Tyrone haven't come out on the right side of any of those games most recently. Obviously, they've been beaten by Armagh as well. So, you know, I I understand probably where um, Paul Flynn and Lee Keegan are coming from, but I think they're coming from maybe a different era. If I'm, you know, they're coming from teams that would have give them huge games, but probably. You know, a few years ago, Lee Keegan obviously played against Tyrone um, in the All Ireland final. He got he he came out the right side of the result a few times All Ireland semi final as well. Paul Flynn, obviously as well. You know, but I think it's it's a wee bit different now. Neither of those two lads, they're probably talking about the teams that they played in rather than the teams that's now playing. So I, I would I would probably put Derry as you know. The, the informed team obviously in Ulster back to back Ulster championships the facts are there um, it's probably a battle for, for, for the places just beneath that in, in, in the top Ulster team on any given day Tyrone are capable yes of beating any of those teams that that's you know and Tyrone will always believe that but at the moment they're, they're not the top dog in Ulster it, it's definitely Derry and, and what comes after that could be anybody between Armagh Monaghan Tyrone um, Donegal is not in that category at the moment but you know, the biggest thing about Tyrone is they, they'll always have that chip on their shoulder where they hate, they love to be wrote off, but... Yeah. Um, and Niles just done that, Niles just wrote them off, so... Uh, well, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't... Um, you know, that's just the mentality that, that Tyrone like to play with, you know, they like to, to play with that mentality of everybody writes us off, backs again the wall, we'll come out swinging. Yeah, well, a team that definitely does not have that mentality, in my opinion, is Kildare. Now, this team does my head in now, <laughs> to be honest. Um, they drew with Slego at the weekend. And, like, 
what do you what do you do with this team? You know, they put in the performance against Dublin. We think they're finally you know getting going again. They look at the quality they have on paper. Then they go and play a team that's two divisions below them, and it's all credit to Sligo in this. But <coughs> what is going on with them? I was listening to the commentary on Kildare FM was wild uh, when the hurling games was on yesterday and with 10 minutes to go the commentator just goes isn't this the time now where there's 10 minutes to go Kildare pulling away we're three points up isn't this the time now where you see the difference between the Division 2 teams and the Division 4 teams the conditioning shows and Kildare and so you know the game's over according to them and then you look back at the score and it's a 14-all draw. Sligo got the last three points of the game, which is a huge credit to Sligo. Niall Murphy got two. And, you know, huge credit to, to Sligo. A, a huge result for them and brilliant stuff for them. But uh, it really is. It's terrible for Kildare to not to win that game. You know, they've had a, oh, they had an up-and-down uh, league. They had some awful results, some good results. And then... You think after the match with Dublin, where they ran them close, only two points in that. You think they might be, you know, are they actually going to make a bit of a, are they going to make a bit of a burst now? And um, you know, after a kind of a moral victory, maybe like that, you're thinking, right, well, go out and get an actual victory now against a team you should be beating, and uh, they weren't able to do it. So a terrible, terrible result for them. No, it is, and like I mean, everything from the outside seemed to be helping them as well. Like Carbang was kicking the lights out for Sligo. He's playing brilliantly, and then he gets pretty harshly sent off, and that, that was late in the game. You know, like it was just all there for Kildare to. You to, can't to rely take on it. them though, really, as as you were saying at the start. Like it's just, yeah. do you know, it's. Um, Kyle had a good word for them. What did you compare them to, Kay? Uh, the the Tottenham Hotspur of uh, <laughs> the GA world, but it's just. You, on any given day, you don't know what they're getting. You know, we, as Niall has rightly pointed out, the Leinster, um, Leinster semi-final led for a large part of the game against Dublin. Um, uh, and then you know, they, they did come up short, obviously, in a couple of points. Um, and you're thinking, right, OK, you know, maybe Dublin's just not fully at it, or else or is this Kildare team, you know, ha- have they improved from their league? Ha- has that period of time where they've got a few weeks' work underneath their belt, come up with a system that that'll that'll suit them? But you know, on any previous results we have seen, you know, maybe with the exception of the down Donegal game, anybody that's probably playing in a in a lower division has come out on the wrong side of the results. But it's credit to till um, credit to Sligo and credit to the work that, that's happened down there. You know, they get nipped in the all or the all. Uh, sorry, the All Ireland Under Twenty final as well. They they were there thereabouts to give away a bad goal at the end. So there's huge work going on in down there, and they're starting to turn out results. And they'll you can be sure that they'll take a huge, you know, huge positive out of that game. You know, being wrote off, probably having people saying that's Kildare's game. There'll be no upset there. But coming out with a with a um, with a draw. Gives them hope for the next day out because you know maybe one more win can, can take them through in the group. Yeah, absolutely, and and like to lose a provincial final the way that they did and come back and put in a performance like that is hugely impressive. And you couldn't really say the same for Clare when they came up against Donegal. Although this is nearly more surprising because you know this Donegal team have been you know dead and buried in the eyes of many people. Uh, no one really thought they'd have I don't know the personality to to, to come back. And, and win a game but they, they managed to pull off the win and it'll do them the world of good now yeah it probably like probably was a small bit harsh in them 
you know, coming into it and everyone completely writing off Donegal as if, you know, they're beating Dockets and um you know they still have they still have brilliant footballers like and I know they're missing they're missing some brilliant players but they still have you know players who have been involved in in Ulster triumphs and players you know, the likes of Owen Bond Gallagher Jason McGee Kieran Thompson these ads they're brilliant footballers they just have Donegal have had a they've had a bad run of it things of you know between managers going and losing Michael Murphy and injuries Pat and Bertie Ryan McEwen all this. Um, do you know they still have a bit in them, and uh, maybe maybe that result will it might might see them kick on a bit because um, do you know I'm sure Kyle will say like Donegal, do you know you'd you'd never get an easy game against them anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, Paddy Radley said after the game, Kyle, that he thinks that Donegal have turned the corner. Would you? I mean, that seems drastic enough too because they were a long way down, but maybe. Yeah, well, I suppose. Um they're probably not not in in, in they probably that, that game probably wasn't as talked about you know when you had group games for like Mayo and Kerry or Tyrone and Galway they probably were the, were the, the high profile games of, of the weekend and Dummy Galway games sort of went under the radar a wee bit for me obviously being a Tyrone man keeping a, a close eye on it and then obviously watching the, the, the Kerry and Mayo match but uh, Niall rightly pointed out you know you go through the Donegal team Yes, injuries injuries happen to, to every team, but you have Kieran Thompson, Oshin Gallon is an absolute clinking player. You know, on his day, I know he'd been struggling with a, a hamstring injury um in the Ulster semi final or the Ulster quarter final against um Down. So he'd been struggling. He only came on that day, he wasn't fit at, at all, probably shouldn't have been on the pitch. You have Darrell Boyle, Jamie Brennan. Jamie Brennan was a thorn in, in, in thrown sides that that um Tony Gall nipped us a few times in the Ulster Championship, and he was one player that you know that we really struggled with. He had that low centre of gravity. He has a real, um, he was a real art in kicking the ball with a real low backstep, like a bit like how um, David Clifford. He doesn't need a big backswing; he can pop it over maybe from thirty yards with, with very very little room. So Tony Gall had good players. My thing was that my take on it was that they were caught between two stools. They had a manager and a system that were they run the ball. Every single time, run it hard. They had their loop runners, Michael Murphy come off one side, Paddy McBrady come off the other. They got their scores that way. They were and they were really, really good. They never give the ball away. New managers come in and they decide, right, we're going to put Q McFadden into the full forward line. And a bit like we talked about before, I was at a few Donegal league games, lumping high balling. You know, all it takes is for a full back to get a hand tip, keeper coming out to say over the top fist, and, and it's away. Keith McFadden probably is a, is a strong enough ball runner, takes the free kicks for his club, but there's a way, as we say, spoke earlier about getting that ball in, you know, get it in low forward side and get the runners off in that way. So they're probably caught just between a running and kicking game and they're really progressing either with none. Now, obviously at the weekend, they, they turned out the result against Clare, you know, I think it finished 14 9. Claire probably never an easy place to, to go to get results. So then I'm sure that Aidan Rourke and Paddy Bradley will be will be you know delighted to get the win number one under the belt, but also to get a few players back on the on, on the pitch again. Kieran Thompson been struggling a wee bit of injury and Oshin Gallon. So they have forwards that can cause you damage on any day. It's if whether they, they can define, you know, not every team is going to have one system. You need two or three for different stages of the game, whether you're running it, whether you know, whether you're down by a couple of points, you might need to push up. So 
it's just whether they, they've got that system for the majority of the game that they can zone in on it and um, you know stick to it because I think just as I said that they were caught between two at the moment. Yeah, and like their confidence was so badly shaken that a win will just do that the world of good too and they can have maybe a bit more belief going into the next game and who knows where it can go from there. Uh, I'll do a quick round up here at the Talchian Cup. Dimer very impressive against Tipperary. Sorry now. Um, it's going from bad to worse for yeah, Tip this thing, year. Things are going pretty poor at that point. But uh, I think Conor Laverty will have earmarked the Talchian Cup as, as a real you know possibility. He'll, he'll believe that Down can drive for it and, and why not. Uh, Limerick, another team that have surprised us turning things around with an impressive win over Carlo. Um, after a brilliant start to the season for Ashley McConville, uh, Wicklow are, seem to be struggling now. They lost out to Longford, so you know you throw in Katie Taylor's loss. It wasn't a good win to, or a good uh, weekend to be a, a Wicklow native. Um, Antrim going through the gears, beating Wexford two fifteen to fourteen. Fermanagh dispatched of a confidence drained Leitrim team after still haven't recovered from that that loss to New York. Uh, me the put back to back wins after beating Waterford. Awfully drew a leash and Kevin took care of business against London. When I look at teams like, you know, Meath and uh, Limerick, and then we are we mentioned Donegal earlier, like, because of the new format, and we've been harsh on the new format, obviously, for various reasons on competitive games, but the extra games do seem to give teams a chance, Kyle, to regain some form and find momentum a little bit later in the season than you, and maybe salvage something. A hundred percent, um, on previous occasions, you know, we would have had our um, provincial championships. Then we would have had our back door beat. You're gone. This and in this way, both you know, the, the the group stages gives you three more games. Gives you probably two more than you would have. And then if you progress past that, you you'll, you'll have another one where you go any further. Or not that's probably depending on that result. But so you're guaranteed three games. You know, likes of me, the likes of Limerick. Um, you know. Those teams that maybe hadn't had the best league campaigns, they've had a break, beat in the provincial championships. So they've went away, they've spent a bit of time working behind closed doors, playing challenge games. But nothing beats, you know, three games of a high, high nature, of a high standard at the right time of year to. To, to see where you're at because on, on any given day anybody can beat you know in, in the Talchic Cup anybody can sort of beat anybody as, as such that's why those teams are you know grouped together because they're, they're all of a, of a similar similar enough nature so not, nothing beats games and players will love that you know they'll be week on week uh, obviously there's one home one away and one neutral but that not matter fact players in, in, in any way they'll be loving playing the games and you just don't know who's going to pick up a wee bit of form we look at Limerick you know Obviously, not not a good league champion at all. Being in Division Two, I, I seen them play against Derry. Was very very disappointed in them, but they seem to have you know they have two wins now. They're sitting at the top of the group, so they they'll fancy their chances. You know, of whoever they get in the next round of the the Talisman Cup. Yeah, they definitely will. Um, that's all we have time for in terms of football. Thanks very much to Kyle for coming on the show. I swear we'll actually get you on someday when Tyrone win. It just when the next time that'll be hopefully very soon uh, I think you I think you ring me every time just to turn a bit <laughs> yeah just need two depressed heads on the show um, we'll be back now with some hurling with Niall McIntyre thanks to Kyle Coney for helping us out with the football here uh, we're back now with the hurling with Niall McIntyre and there's only one real place to start and that's Limerick v Tipperary Tipperary got the draw in the end Limerick looking vulnerable now yeah yeah uh well, I suppose to have, um, I suppose a little bit uh, throughout the year, really, going back to the losing to Clare and 
scraping over Waterford and I suppose tip people as a tip person like coming into this game you're you maybe have a bit more ambition than usual um, than what we're used to coming in against Limerick but um, at the same time you never really know and even though Tip are winning a half time seeing as Limerick have they've done us so many times in second half displays second half just blistering out of the blocks and hammering Tipperary even though Tipperary were leading at half time you were still worried that you know this could happen again and it does happen again Limerick start brilliantly in the second half Cahill O'Neill picks up two unreal points and Limerick before we know it they're leading the game by a point but um, there's definitely there's something new in the Tipperary team this year under Liam Cahill and you could see it I suppose like it was, it was an unbelievable game of hurling and it started off Limerick got the first point early on and then do you know just the whole way through there was uh, there were tit for tat there was Limerick get a point Tipper get a point Tipper were leading for, for more of the game but um, wow, it was just uh, it was it was real hard hitting stuff, um, and you know there was very little between them. I, I'd say, like Lim- tip for a finish, tip were out on their feet, and you could see this. There was Limerick lads popping up in space um, for that last chance. Graham Mulcahy got it, and Peter Casey was inside him. You could nearly blame William O'Donoghue for not giving it to Casey more so because he would have seen him. But Tip were on the ropes this day, just absolutely goose, like after after sticking it to Limerick for so long. And Tip were probably lucky. That last free that John McGrath won was a lucky one to win. But uh, I'd say on balance, a, a draw was the fair result. And you could you could nearly see it coming during the second half. Yeah, and you mentioned there that like, as a Tip man, this is probably the most confident or hopeful you'd <coughs> been going up against Limerick in recent years. And Jackie Terrell said uh, on the Sunday game that Limerick actually looked fatigued both physically and mentally, do you think, like, is it a matter of the, the aura is sort of cracked now? Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't say it's 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 cracked. There's still, you're still thinking, you know, this is Limerick and Limerick are going to, they're going to click at some stage. But they're just, they're playing, they're a little bit more, there's a few more chinks in the armour, definitely. And there's, like, obviously Sean Finn, number one, is a huge loss of cornerback and... You know, he might have been the man to stick it to, to, to Mark Jake Morris yesterday. And as it turned out, Limerick had nobody to, to stick to Jake Morris, nobody that was able to keep up with him. Um, I thought he was actually the man of the match. I thought he had an unbelievable game and they were, they'd given it to Noel McGrath. But Morris, for me, was, was the best player on the pitch. But, do you know, Limerick, there's, they're hitting wides. Peter Casey comes on and hits a wide... There was they hit a lot of wides when just Declan Hannon hit wide. When when you think that they're coming back and that they have Tipperary in the second half, they're just they're letting them off a hook, the hook a small bit. And do you know it's just not. And John Kiley has been saying this a lot this year. He was saying it in the league final when they beat Kilkenny. He was saying it um, after they beat Waterford and again after they beat Clare that they're they're just not taking their chances. They're not as clinical, not as deadly. And I suppose you look at players like. Gerard Hegarty has had, a, like by his standards, a terrible start to the year. Um, very, like, just never got into the game yesterday. Could have been taken off at half time, stayed on, but just wasn't the same player that he, like, that we've seen him dominate games and catch pokeouts and score from everywhere. He's just not in the games. Keane Lynch is the same. He obviously had the hamstring issue against Clare. Um, 
that went on him or was it was a tweak earlier in the year, but he's not himself, looks slightly off the pace. Um Daryl Donovan was fairly non existent in the game yesterday. So these are key players and when you add that um Sean Finn is out, uh Ky- Kyle Hayes what isn't he's he hit some very poor wides yesterday as well. They're just not as you know, the confidence isn't as high as what it had been. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's fair to say. Well, maybe an aura cracked is, is a bit harsh because they're certainly still going to be the favourites for the All-Ireland. Um, definitely lost maybe that predatory instinct, as you say. There was a bit of controversy uh, at the final whistle with your completely unbiased Tipperary A's. Do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah, well, it was there was a bit... You could see it. Lean Cahill was after getting the red card at this stage. So it was all, all kicking off. Um, Tipperary get a free... A, Poxy enough free now, I have to say. Uh, I think Sean Stack, looking on the referee, I think he just thought, Do you know, it's the classic case of draws a fair result and this free is coming. Um, it, it, on the game as a whole, I think Tipperary people were aggrieved with him. He caught, pulled up Bonner Maher for, he gave a brilliant hand pass, set, set Tipperary through on goal and Sean Stack pulled him back. And that was, it was just the, the wrong decision there. So, you know, delayed free, maybe, you know, these things often balance themselves up. But John McGrath won the free and John McGrath had missed a free similar similar position against Cork last week. So it was a lot of pressure for him. And he's only just after coming on as a sub. Um, He, he was only on the free because Jason Ford, he'd, to, he'd pulled his hamstring against Cork and he was out. And Garrod O'Connor had gone off. He was hitting the freeze yesterday and brilliant on the freeze. I don't think he missed one. So it was huge pressure on John McGrath for a lad who, you know, apart from winning that free, had barely touched the ball in the game. Um, so for him to step up and nail that was was huge. And Noel, you could see it, and Noel is very, like, unexcitable and very calm always, but you could see it in in his post-match interview with, with Damien Lawler that, you know, he was worked up about this. And when you watch it back, you can see that Noel, straight after John scored it, Noel ran in from the sideline to have a word with Dermot Burns. And Dan McCormick was already having a word with Dermot Burns. And then John McGrath was there on the scene. John had a smile on his face. John was kind of, you know, like no, nobody really knows what went on with Dermot Burns. But John was kind of smiling as if like, you know, I scored it anyway, kind of a thing. And then Noel comes in, the big brother, and gets involved. And this is just so uncharacteristic for Noel McGrath to get involved in this. But a bit of a row breaks out between the two teams. But look, it was nothing. There was nothing. I think Marty called it unsavory on commentary. There was nothing unsavory about it. You know, just a few players from both teams, a few shoulders, no strokes pulled. It's fairly harmless um, stuff. Then the camera pans to the two managers, John Kiley and Liam Cahill, and they have a little joke with each other. And, you know, it was. Uh, Brilliant end to a really exciting and, you know, there was no dirty stroke pull, a real fair and sporting game. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of, out of drama just to to the cherry on top nearly for the viewer. Uh, Claire v. Cork was another game. Cork was seven points down after 40 minutes and in recent years they would have wilted under pressure, but they came back against Tip and they came back again against Claire. Has, has the change in mentality been their biggest bonus this year? Yeah, like they still they still did lose the game, so they'll be they'll be disappointed with that. And like it w- it was a tight tight game, but I always felt whether it was just the fact that it was in Cusack Park, um, 
or just the fact there's something about Clare. Clare are on a huge rise this year. And, you know, they got to the Munster Minor final, got to the Under-20 final, and now they're the first team into the Senior final. So this is huge. Um, there's a huge buzz in Clare at the minute. Brian Lohan, he just... Everybody in Clare loves that man. Um, they absolutely love him. Like, And you could see there was pictures of him with Adam Hogan, who's only... He's one their youngest player. He's uh, under-20 and missed out on that Munster Under-20 final. Lohan in straight after final whistle, giving him a big hug. And, you know, Brian Lohan is a... He's a type of lad. He's he's cross, like, and I'd say if he's cross, you know all about it. He'll give you a huge, like, he'll dig you out of it. I'd say if you're cross, but if he's if he's a reason to be cross, you. But you know, there's, there's a huge love for him there, and you can see that the players are really, really playing for him. And yeah, Claire just there's a belief there that even when Cork were coming back. Uh, Claire just had that little bit extra, and I think they did. They were deserving of the win uh, yesterday. Yeah, no, still definitely the day definitely belonged to Claire still. But positives from Cork from a, a lot of points of view, and they play Limerick next in what's effectively a shootout. Will they see this as an opportunity now, just given that Limerick's form of recent? They will. They definitely will. And um, going back a few years ago, Cork were were the bogey team, the team that Limerick kind of they struggled with and struggled to put away. So that's going to be a huge game. Like Cork have the have the they can knock Limerick out of the championship, and you know they, it'll be it'll be a tight one because Cork are they're hurling well. Um, you know yesterday just a few small things. Clare got the run on them before half time, went into the break five points up, and in fairness, Cork did get it back. And you know you put a lot that of that down to the subs bench, Shane Barrett. Was, was very impressed when he came on just running straight at Clare, giving them problems. And Shane Kingston. Shane Kingston is just, he's this super sub that he always makes a difference when he comes on. And sometimes he starts and it's, he's not the same player. But um, he was unbelievable. He won the penalty, scored a great point. And that just, that got Clare, that got Cork right back into the game and Clare getting a bit nervous. And you're thinking then that, you know, this is draw written all over it. Um, then Dermot Ryan, the man at the moment, he steps up and gets an, an unbelievable score, really, to win it. He got three points from half back, so um, it was a, a brilliant performance from him. But um, yeah, it was. I just I always had that feeling that Clare had. To, it probably was the, that it was in Cusick Park that they just had a li- little. They had Cork's measure. Um, they moved Peter Duggan inside to the edge of the square. And, you know, he's the six foot five inch giant like and the other boys, whether it was Tony Kelly, Tony Kelly for the gold or like the f- the small little fishes feeding off the big shark and waiting for the little knockdown off him. And sure, Tony Kelly just finished that goal sublimely like, but it's another kind of a f- another asset for Claire that they can move Duggan in there and that the boys are running off him and... Um, you know, they can play it every sort of way, Claire. They can play the short passing, they can lump it into Duggan, or they can, they've Shanahan coming off the bench and they can lump it into him and he'll win it anyway. So, Claire probably just, they deserved it and they probably had a bit more about them, a bit more to their game than, than Cork yesterday. Yeah, and you made the point there about Shane Kingston coming off the bench and they were talking about that in the Sunday game that just the negatives for Cork maybe, they're still a bit too reliant on Patrick Horgan. You know, a player like Shane Kingston, you want to start him, but like he only seems to have this uh, that much of an impact when he comes off the bench, and they don't really seem to know uh, their best starting fifteen yet. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I suppose there's yeah, King the Kingston one is 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 the difficulty. Yeah. He's such a good player and probably one of the fastest players in the country and we've seen it against Kilkenny two years ago at Ireland semi-final. He comes off the bench, scores eight points from play and do you know then he could he could start games and just wouldn't get into the game. So there is, they just need that little bit more. Um, but, but what do you think that is? Do you think that's like uh, he can read the game really well from the bench and then come on and know exactly what he needs to do while starting the game and getting a feel for it? He, he struggles with that. I suppose there's one aspect is definitely the speed that he has when when he comes on after forty minutes, fifty minutes. Like the last thing a back wants to see that yeah. that late into game is a lad like Shane Kingston, and he he'll burn anybody, anybody who who tries to stand him up. He he'll run around him like and as well as that, I suppose it it's just different coming on as a sub. There's maybe a little bit less pressure, and um. Do you know there's a bit more freedom attached to it? Kind of, you're just you're kind of you're floating into the game when everyone else is they're tired, and uh, he it just seems to really suit him. But look, it wasn't it wasn't a a, a bad display um, from Cork. Like, there's Clare so good at the minute that there's like they, they beat Limerick, there's they beat Waterford well. There's very few teams who 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 are sticking with Clare, especially in in Cusick Park. So. Um, do you know, you wouldn't write Cork off yet, but they've Limerick up next, so it's uh do you know that's the 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 toughness of the Munster Championship that if you lose one game, you're really in tr- in trouble like and and uh it's that's huge next week, Cork and Limerick. No, absolutely. And then another game was West Mee's brilliant comeback against uh, Waxford. Joe Fortune said after the game, look, the first half we simply did not perform, we did not get off the bus. It was embarrassing. We used those words with the players at halftime. We told them to park the first half. There was nothing we could do about it but to go out and perform with pride in the second half. We stayed in there. We saw that Waxford were beginning to panic a bit. Yeah, well, they did. This. They definitely did. It was uh, unbelievable to be 17 points down after 33 minutes to come back and win that game. Sure, unheard of sort of stuff. Um Following this game on Twitter, it was on at the same time as the Tip and Limerick game, and seeing the score at halftime, you're like, right, well, that's a that's a done deal. Wexford seventeen points, home and hose. Don't even check it again. And the next thing you come back to it, and Westmead have won by two points. Just unbelievable stuff from them. As Joe Fortune said, it was it was embarrassing at halftime, and you can only imagine his team talk is lads. We just have to get a bit of pride out of this, like. We, they wouldn't have even been thinking about coming back into this game. You're 17 points down. But as it went on, they gradually got back into it. Niall O'Brien and Joseph Boyle were on fire, got the t- first two goals, in, them two boys in the full forward line. And, you know, Wexford have a little bit of a doubt in their head then. It's coming back. It's 11 points. They're 11 points down. Niall Mitchell comes on after 50 minutes. And Niall Mitchell is... He's he's the man for for Westmead Hurling. He'd been injured. He I think it was a knee injury he had earlier in the year, got surgery and that and missed. Do you know after this was after he had a brilliant club campaign with the Downs in in the football, and scored the goals for them, got them into the Leinster final against against Kilmacud, and you know he's he's just he comes up with these big moments and he comes on yesterday with twenty minutes to go, and in the last five minutes soars up into the sky above Matthew O'Hanlon, who's probably Wexford's best defender. Mitchell gets up ahead of him, catches the ball, and unbelievable catch for the first goal, flicks it in. The, the, the lead is only down to two points. 
and Wexford are, are just they don't know what's going on at this stage like they've they've nearly like thinking we're done here we're good to go home like the damage is done and Westmead just thunder back into the game and then Mitchell's second goal to catch was just incredible over he size he lines it up and it's definitely worth re-watching um, he's comes in from the side a long ball in from uh, Tommy Doyle just floated in bang it into the full forward let him do what he wants with it there was no style to this or anything and Mitchell just there he kind of waits on the outside of square outside of the square times his jump and comes across and grabs it from under from over Matthew Hanlon again and finishes it just unbelievable and they hold on to win by two um she one of the biggest comebacks ever in the championship in unbelievable for Westmead they were they were as good as relegated at half time yesterday they're heading down to Joe McDonough and now Wexford are they're in a terrible position because if they lose to Kilkenny next next week um, that's effectively a relegation playoff for them because if Westmead are to be are to lose to Antrim, then then uh, then Wexford are gone. So because Westmead will have them on head to head. So just um, huge turnaround, unbelievable stuff. And jeez, uh, well done to Westmead. Just never give up. And um, it's terrible stuff for Wexford at the same time. Like they'll be they'll be wow. They'll be absolutely. Go to after that. Yeah, no, it'll be really tough to come back from that one. And then just to finish up quickly, uh, Kilkenny beat Dublin by six points and Galway made easy work of Antrim. Yeah, Kilkenny, Dublin had started that one well and after 25 minutes, they're 8-5 up and, you know, Danny Sutcliffe was going well, Mark Rogan got a few points and Sean Curry was moving well for Dublin. But I suppose without being spectacular, Kilkenny just gradually took over and they have had Dublin's measure for you know the the last the last number of years really Dublin always they've been getting hammered by Kilkenny in the last few years um but this time yeah Dublin put up more of a fight but Kilkenny just did you know they got the scores easier and it, they didn't need a goal or they didn't need they just tacked away the points and there was no real outstanding performer um from Kilkenny like Paddy Deegan got three from play Tom Phelan three from play Adrian Mullen came into it late on, Owen Cody. It was nothing outstanding about it. Probably wasn't the, the best game. I don't think either either goalie had a save to make, really. Um, but, do you know, I suppose it, it wasn't the worst um, result. It wasn't the worst performance from Dublin either. They'll take um, some positives out of it. But they just, they are, they're a level below um, Kilkenny and... That was that was what that was the way it turned out on, on Saturday again. And Shagalway, they hammered Antrim and so they're into the they're into the Leinster final now. So Dublin could still could still reach it, but um it looks like uh, it'll be Gaul Kilkenny again, as Manny would have predicted at the start. So mm-hmm. well that's all we have time for today. Thank you to Niall for rounding up the hurling for us. And remember to like, share and subscribe to the GAR and we'll see you next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.